Hey, I'm Clayton. And I'm Sean, and we're men who like men who like movies. We're two queer men who love movies, and we love talking about movies. And after a lot of urging, we started a podcast. So this was a first time watch for me, but I know you love this movie, Clayton. What did we watch this week? I had no idea this was your first time watch. Um, Wow. Uh, <laughs> processing. Uh, we watched Up in the Air. Uh, this was... I don't remember if I saw this in theaters, but I definitely saw it when it first came out on home video DVD, I'm sure, at that time. Um, it was the first Oscar race I cared about because I wanted Anna Kendrick to win so badly and I wanted this to win Best <laughs> Picture so badly and obviously neither did. Um, but that was my first experience with that and I've just always really loved this film and I get different things out of it when I watch it at different ages, which is fun. Um, yeah, I just really love it. And we've got a couple special guests to help us out with this one today. We've got Ian George and Adita Hilton from the Cover to Credits podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts. Thank you for coming. Hello. Thank you. Hi. It's great to be here. Yes, we're so excited to have you. <laughs> What's your relationship with Up in the Air? Well, I think I saw it first out of the two of us. I, I think I saw it like pretty early, like not in theaters, but like you were saying, like maybe right when it came out on DVD, kind of when I was really starting to get into like slightly more indie independent films. And uh, I'm kind of surprised I, I liked it as a teenager because, I mean, it's about like uh, job insecurity and like <laughs> yeah. detaching yourself from uh, worldly possessions. And I'm like, what did I relate to it all with this movie as a teenager? Yeah, I was 20 and in college when this came out. So I'm not exactly sure why I loved it either. <laughs> other than that maybe I just really liked Anna Kendrick's performance or something. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I, think, I don't uh, know what I related to. <laughs> yeah, and then I think Adina and I just like watched it together at one point. Yeah, I you owned the it. movie, and when we first started dating, we watched a lot of the, our favorite films with each other, um, getting to know each other's film tastes, mm -hmm. um, and this was definitely one of the ones that Ian showed me. Um, but I don't remember it coming out. I wasn't paying attention at the time. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, was a, it was a crazy time. Kesha was doing her thing. I mean... <laughs> 2009 <laughs> this would have been t this, would have this been tick tiktok time tiktok oh yeah yeah close yeah, yeah. right around there mm -hmm. yeah well, i was like i say 2009 was the year i graduated high school so <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> yeah we were a couple years uh behind that but pretty close yeah i was a oh sixer oh I I was not part of this Oscar race. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do remember Anna Kendrick being uh, nominated, but I wasn't sure if anyone else was nominated. Like I, I didn't look into the um, the awards. I just remember Anna Ken Anna Kendrick. She should have won. <laughs> <laughs> she I, I maintain <laughs> she lost to uh, Monique for Precious. Um, okay, uh, yeah. that's a movie I've never watched because it just seems just so so intense <laughs> it, it is it, very intense i have watched it only that it's one, one i have those... seen it I, I don't think i'll ever watch it again but yeah yes, i watched it, it once and i was heavy. like this is very good and i never want to watch it again um yeah 
I think it's funny to see Anna Kendrick singing poorly in this film because we obviously know (laughs) that she can actually sing. (laughs) It is so funny. It kills me every single time. (laughs) Well, and it's great because she does like the ultimate breakup song too, or one of them. Like she's doing time after time, and I'm like, this is so perfect. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so cute because I mean, at that point, she was really mainly known for like Twilight. Yes. And, you know, mm-hmm. she's a very side character in that. And she doesn't sing that in a... that. But, you know, theater-minded people would have seen her in the wonderful little film at camp where she does get to sing. And you know she is a fantastic singer. <laughs> so even at the time that this came out, that was very funny. <laughs> I seriously but... forget she's in Twilight until every time we rewatch twilight and i'm like oh Same. yeah anna kendrick <laughs> that's also how anna kendrick feels about twilight like Probably. i don't did you see that tweet one time when she was like oh my god i just remembered i was in twilight <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't read her memoir uh i yes, highly, it, I highly recommend how, it it's it, so funny she's still one of my favorite parts if i ever watch that movie she's just like she her, does like, steal every scene that yeah she's in. yeah she's just like oh my god that's so funny she's, <laughs> like, <laughs> just like, <laughs> she's like the most natural out of anyone in the scenes she has like the best improvised line when they're discussing the movie i think it's in the second one they're leaving the theater and she's just monologuing about what she thinks the movie means and it's like silenced <laughs> into the background because the scene is focusing on bella but like you can hear what she's saying and it's just great it's so funny <laughs> yes She's wonderful. Uh, Jesse, Again, I, I very read... highly recommend her memoir. What's it called? Uh, um... Scrappy Little Nobody. Yes, oh, yeah. Scrappy Little yeah. Nobody. <laughs> it's wonderful. I was going to say, I picked it up at a thrift shop like a month ago. <laughs> you can like, it's one of those things like you read it and you can just hear her voice saying it. Like it is yeah. so distinctly her. Um, it's wonderful. Wonderful read. I also have to say George Clooney is, uh, I think like in, in peak George Clooney form in this film as well oh yeah yeah i was gonna say i actually think this is my favorite george clooney role to be honest um i think he's really good in this movie um he's um so i i'm not gonna lie i tried reading the book it's been a busy month (laughs) and it's, it's very much like it's it's one of the more descriptive books and so like i was starting to i'm trying to read it and i'm i'm dozing off i'm like dang it um but like (laughs) he really captures like the whimsy of ryan really well because in the book ryan's also kind of cruel um and like i'm not (laughs) like he in this one he doesn't feel cruel he just feels detached which i think is important because like in the book he's kind of like disparaging on his family like Mm. his sister like and all that and i'm like oh like really glad they didn't go into this for the movie because then he would be utterly like he he walks that line between like completely detached and like uh, not it like in the book is a total jackass (laughs) but he uses like he's like whimsical though in the book too so like Mm. he really does capture that whimsy too which he's like using all these funky like he's like has a wor- basically like a word a day calendar thing where he's trying to like use all of his big words he's like oh that was a big one <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's just it, it's it's whimsical yeah and i feel so- like george, george clooney does a really good job because he is naturally charming so he can make someone who's kind of annoying and kind of like cruel and kind of like detached and everything but he can still 
you're still rooting for him, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's George Clooney. And so it's <laughs> it's a really great casting. Yeah. It really is. I think all the casting in this is phenomenal. Um, uh, sidebar, my favorite George Clooney role will always and forever be from Dust Till Dawn. Um, oh, okay. And I will stand by that. You are, yeah, that is a really good one, too. I think my uh, favorite has to be uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? For sure, me too. Oh, I Ooh, haven't seen that. I don't watch a ton of comedies. Um, <laughs> see, like, I watch comedies like this, and this isn't like a comedy. It's super depressing, but it's also deeply funny. Oh, um, yeah. It's a, it's a weird, weird, weird tone. Um, but uh, would you all recommend this? Definitely. Yeah. Oh, a- absolutely. Yeah, I definitely would, too. I think it's really, if I was recommending it to someone, you know, I definitely would say it's, you know, kind of a comedy, but it's a dark comedy. And it doesn't really have, like, it's more about the time that it's discussing and and Ian and I were talking about this last night when we watched it we were just saying how rooted in the you know recession it feels even though Mm -hmm. I know the book wasn't written during that time you know when they took the book and then they turned it into this film they really set it in a feeling and in a vibe of that time and you know we were younger when that happened so you know it really didn't affect ian and i we weren't in the job market at the time but it just really feels like it gives you a sense of that time and place and that feeling it does it almost feels like a period piece at points which sounds so weird to say about 2009 but like (laughs) you know like it, it does because like i remember just like I, I had a lot of friends who like their parents like lost jobs or they lost money in in different things and i remember the housing market was just awful so like seeing a lot of the things they're talking about and like jason bateman's like you know everything's in the toilet like this is our, <laughs> like and also he's like the most he's just such a corporate scumbag in this we'll get into that later <laughs> but like he like you know those are things i remember watching on the news and just being like wow like we really were we are in a recession yeah, yeah I, like i was aware of it but like it was very much out of my sphere of reality yeah i remember reading that jason reitman had been working on a version of this script like before juno before even thank you for smoking i think and that when he revisited it you know the recession was going on and he said it just brought like new context to the material and helped him kind of like reshape it and he said he kind of discovered something new in it and i mean like adina was saying like it's hard to you can't picture this movie taking place during any other time Mm -hmm. no i agree with you because even in the novel like the novel is set years before it so i mean it's a lot of like they're talking about blackberries and stuff like that and i'm like yeah like (laughs) even even the book's a period piece and it you know it's it's very weren't they on blackberries in the phone because i almost i didn't put it in the notes but i almost commented on the fact that it looked like they were both on blackberries (laughs) yes yes this would have been the final gasp of (laughs) blackberry (laughs) like i'm pretty sure like 20 what was it like 2010 or 2009 or 2010 i think is when iphone came out and then after iphone came out it was just oh no iphone came out before that iphone came out when i was in high school Well, i was gonna say i think it was like iphone two or three that really like exploded the market into blackberry dying like (laughs) 
but i remember this would have been like their last gasp <laughs> like, yeah and business, people blackberry and, yeah, yeah business yeah. people i believe would have been using blackberries i, I buy that uh i never <laughs> got the appeal of them myself i do miss a keyboard i will have to say i miss a physical keyboard a bit <laughs> mm, that is true i i agree with that it is how nice. fast were you uh back in the days at t9 yeah i'm trying to remember Uh, yeah t9 not so well but i had that flip out keyboard i could send a message in like three seconds (laughs) out and then the perfectly worded punctuation everything we laughed at the uh really uh the the retro winking emoji that george clooney sends to uh alex's character yes in the film uh when they oh, are I died. When they're sexting each other like <laughs> oh, i'm not gonna lie i still use those <laughs> like i still do like the whole like you know semicolon like end parenthesis <laughs> because i'm just i'm too lazy to pull up my gift like, like i usually i'm running around that so like i'm just and sean also does not have an iphone famously so <laughs> yeah so i just i send those out still <laughs> people are probably like oh my god how old is he like 94 <laughs> what is going on here no it's just sheer laziness people i'm sorry sheer laziness. <laughs> so uh do you have any more quick thoughts on up in the air before we really get into the production and me the story of what happens in this Nope, I'm good. Not from us, just yeah. other than a, uh, a solid recommendation. Awesome. So, um, a little bit of production, and there will be spoilers for this film that is... Uh, 14. Thanks. <laughs> <clears throat> Oof. So, it's officially uh, just, a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> growing up. Directed by Jason Reitman of Juno fame and one of my personal favorites, Young Adult, uh, based on a novel by Walter Kern that none of us have read. Sean tried for some reason. <laughs> Sean, I told him. Sean flipped through the. Sean flipped through. <laughs> I was like, why, why are you making work for yourself? Like, why? <laughs> well, I was like, uh, well, I was like, I want to. This is like the first one we've really read that's like really based on a novel. Like, yeah, we re- we did Dracula, but like Dracula is very much a different story than like the Dracula that like like the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula. Like, so that one I don't really need to read that one but i think this is like one of the first ones we that like based on a book i haven't read or i didn't read in high school and so i was like i'm gonna try it and then i was reading it i was like man there's i don't maybe not (laughs) (laughs) well to put more context into this uh i have been sick and earlier guest was sick so like we haven't recorded in a little bit so like in this week we're recording like three episodes so during that is when he's like sure i'm gonna throw in reading the book on top of it and i'm just like why it doesn't have to to be that hard (laughs) the book was already purchased clayton i was planning on reading it and then it was like oh we're gonna record all of them and i was just like well i did not this was not planned well for me like (laughs) i mean i'll tell you what there are plenty of uh podcast podcast episodes we've done because i mean for anyone who doesn't know us that's our whole deal is uh we compare books to movies and uh there's plenty of episodes that we've done where in retrospect it's like 
you know, a casual flip through of this book probably would have been enough <laughs> yeah. uh, to compare it to the film. Like you get the gist within like a few pages and uh, the, the bigger picture doesn't really matter much. So yeah, I was gonna, and, the, and it is very much like that with this book. Like a lot of the, a lot of the core of it is the same, but they are two very di- separate, like different things. Yeah. Um, and like, it, I mean, the in the novel, is much... isn't he like dying of cancer or something? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say he, I, he does have seizures, I believe. And then, um, and then he also like, it's much more focused on him hitting his like, you know, like 10 million mile club mm-hmm. than like the movie is like, they keep mentioning it. Like he, but it's not like after, you know basically after anna kendrick comes along like he he's it's a very different kind of movie or like it's a different focus i think so but yeah it's it's, it's really interesting when a uh a movie when you compare the book and movie and you know you might be familiar with the movie and you read the book and you're like why did the author want to focus on this aspect when you see the movie and you're like yeah obviously this was the more interesting dynamic but for you know sometimes the author has kind of just a different agenda or different vision in mind and mm-hmm. overall it's like either way more boring or not as interesting and the film is able to pull something like much more unique out of it you know yes sharp objects for instance why does the book go on for another 30 pages after the reveal <laughs> that you don't care about like why does it keep doing that in the yeah. show <laughs> right to the point um <laughs> well it, yes it, no and you're absolutely right i think that there's multiple times that's happened or the changing of it like i'm usually a big believer that like usually the book is better than the movie but like some of my favorites aren't <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh jurassic park is i love the book i read that book when i was like seven eight which <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it's pretty know, bloody he, for he, he casually <laughs> throws these things out and i'm like sean that's traumatic yeah <laughs> sorry well i got the book i got the movie on vhs when i was like four okay like i've already (laughs) seen the movie we already knew like the 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 kitchen scene just scared the crap out of me but like it's a very different animal than what the book the movie is yeah and like that like sometimes i think you're absolutely right i think i the thing i like about uh, at least some movies is they'll focus on something that may have been a throwaway aspect of the novel and it turns it into something more magical yeah, Ian and I always say, like, when we talk about books and movies and compare them, that the movie, if you're doing it right, you're looking at the book and you're saying, okay, obviously the author went through several drafts to get to the book, but now we're making another draft of the book, mm-hmm. right? You're looking at it and you're not just copying it, right? You're looking at it and you're like, what works, what doesn't work? And so when you're able to make the movie like another final draft of the book and take it in a little bit of a different direction. I think that's when, that's when you're really doing it right. And that's when it's really satisfying to compare them and to uh, see that transformation. Yeah. Yeah, And film is such a different medium than when you're reading something. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of things, you know, that are very introspective in a book, the way they have to get that knowledge across in a different way is interesting. And Yeah. Also, thank you for all of your work you do on your podcast. You saved me so much time. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, you don't need to read this book. (laughs) Well, the cool thing is, is you've you've done a lot of our favorites. So it's always nice to hear your guys' like opinion on on them. Like, 
Bridget Jones's Diary, and I'm pretty sure that was one that Clayton actually recommended. Yes, and you can they, hear them say my name on it. It's very yeah. exciting. I was oh, yeah. Because he was like, it's coming out. I was, like, I was like, okay, I was already planning on listening, but got it. Um, and like, it, it, sorry, that lost my train of thought. Ah! Um, but yeah, like, that's one thing I love about listening to you guys is you do keep them as separate animals. And that's, well, you know, separate mediums. And then you just kind of compare the bones and see what works and what doesn't mm-hmm. yeah i mean you were saying like film and books being so different like a book is so unique and and as far as like yeah there's editors usually involved but it's very much like an author telling the story that they want to tell and if they want to like not get anyone's input they basically can you know what i mean like mm-hmm. stephen king could probably just write anything he wanted to and it would get published <laughs> at this point oh whereas, for sure whereas film is so collaborative i mean even like the person writing the adaptation, they're just a totally different viewpoint of, of the source material. Like Adina was saying, they can kind of analyze, like, what do I find interesting about this story? What do I want to pull from? And then they often have other people who write it or punch up the script, and then you actually film it, and the actors are get involved, like maybe improvising or giving input on the character, and then, of course, the final edit changes it. And, like, it's such a totally different creature uh that's so collaborative whereas a book is just usually the author's vision right and Mm -hmm. sometimes that makes for a great movie based on a shit book sometimes it ruins Mm -hmm. an adaptation (laughs) a film that was based on a great book to begin with uh it can really go all over the place agreed it's tough you know that's why adaptations are always exciting (laughs) yeah yeah exciting for better or worse, it's always going to be something. <laughs> uh, even going into this, uh, the screenplay by Sheldon Turner and Jason Reitman. Sheldon Turner basically uh, did a treatment that they used elements of it. So he still got his name on it, but it's mostly Jason Reitman. And apparently one amazing line from his father. Uh, which I have the, thoughts about which one that is. I am so curious. <laughs> at the 2010 Academy Awards, this was nominated for six Oscars and won none. It was nominated for Best Picture and lost to The Hurt Locker. It lost Best Actor to Jeff Bridges for Crazy Heart. It lost both of its Best Supporting Actress nominations, which I always think mm. it's really funny when a film does that. Um, <laughs> have both of their people competing and against each other um like we said off mic monique won for precious and it lost best director to Catherine bigelow for the hurt locker and it lost best adapted screenplay that it had won pretty much everywhere else to precious interesting yeah it's a sad day <laughs> not as sad no, as la la land not winning <laughs> well but they're but I mean, the Hurt Locker is extremely great. Like I, it is do good. Think it's I do think Catherine Bigelow definitely deserved director. I think Jason Reitman does a great job in this. But like, I don't know. That one just feels a little bit more. Uh, I don't know. It just feels a little bit more innovative and a little bit more involved. And best picture, I could probably see the Hurt Locker still. Although I do. Oh, I, I think, think the Hurt Locker is a really, really weird win for best picture. Um, I think it came at a time when that's true time period wise so like how many times do we look at it and we're like Judy Garland should have won for you know A Star is Born like 
I will say that. I mean, I don't time. think about that very often, personally. <laughs> I do. These are <laughs> like I, I do, and I think about Rooney Mara not winning for the girl with the dragon tattoo. Uh, that one yeah, upsets a... me too. That yeah, that's upsetting. Like yeah. that's that's the one that really gets me because that was was that the same role. Oscars? Honest, that, actually, no, it was not. That would have been a couple years later because it would have been the Iron Lady. So mm. I think that's twenty twelve. That sounds 20... right. 2011 2012 something yeah. like that because i read the books i think in 20 2009 or 2010 mm, and then yeah. they came a couple years and saw the swedish films and yeah the, then the, saw that one the fact that we're not getting a second and third david fincher and rooney mara girl with the dragon tattoo movie just, is one of the greatest tragedies of my life yeah. I, I, I can say completely. that confidently yes absolutely oh no i I was just like, oh, this is so good. I can't wait for the rest of them. And I was like, yeah. oh, well, now we're never going to get them. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. And I didn't watch the Claire Foy one because I was I just didn't so either. Angry. I love Claire Foy, but I just didn't well, no, watch it. Out of, I, know. I did I not watch it, it out of spite. <laughs> I was the same way. I resented it too much. I was like, first of all, a new Elizabeth with Claire Foy. And then second of all, this wasn't even, the author didn't even write this book. It's some other writer kind of taking up the mantle. And I was so like, two times that you're betraying me and i can't do it <laughs> yeah, I, yeah it makes me i'm not even gonna say rationally angry because i think it's totally rational to be curious about this <laughs> um <laughs> sorry okay. i didn't mean to get everybody up oh, on the yeah. angry uh, yeah. <laughs> all worked but up like, now i want to write write a letter to sony we're gonna have another episode it's gonna be all like the oscar upset <laughs> yeah i think that would be a really interesting one to do because i think everyone has at least one uh vendetta against the oscars yeah right? like one personal one that really gets you you yeah. know yeah <laughs> that those are some of my supervillain origin stories. Yes, um, <laughs> I will say to uh, to to loosely bring it back uh, to up in the air. Jason Reitman's career as a director is kind of interesting. It's like, so weird. I you know I like a lot of his other movies. Uh, I'd like to. Adina and I were recently rewatching, not rewatching. We were watching TikToks about Juno and uh, that movie, and like it's kind of interesting story arc with like her relationship with like jason bateman's character and like how weird it is and how intentional it is and uh so i kind of want to rewatch juno i i wouldn't mind rewatching thank you for smoking too I'm, i own it and remember liking it but we also saw tully which was really interesting and kind of mm, weird Tully was and... very interesting and weird <laughs> yeah. i don't know that i enjoyed tully but i really appreciated tully but i yeah. loved young adult i have sadly never seen Thank you for smoking. Um, it's much I've, more of a uh, a satire. Than yeah, I've heard I would love films. it, but I just haven't come across it at the right time, I suppose. And Juno, I can appreciate it, and I love Diablo Cody's script, but I have never cared for Elliot Page, and so I can't enjoy mm-hmm. Juno. Um, Oh, I, so that's I why Juno. I just put it to Jennifer's <laughs> body when I want a Diablo Cody script. <laughs> I literally can't say the word fingernails without thinking fingernails <laughs> from Juno. She's like, they're like, the baby has fingernails. She's like, oh. fingernails. She's like, fingernails. <laughs> Sorry. Those are little things. <laughs> fingernails are little things. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> it's... Um, 
Did you guys know that a large number of people that we see fired in the film aren't actors, but were in fact people who were recently laid off? The filmmakers put out ads in St. Louis and Detroit posing as a documentary crew looking to document the effect of the recession. When people showed up, they were instructed to treat the camera like the person who fired them and respond as they did or use the opportunity to say what they wish they had. I did. I read that for the first time just the other day, trying to do a little background research on the film. So I hadn't known that until like this week. They do feel like regular people. They don't mm-hmm. yeah. when you see them, you know, talking. It doesn't feel like actors talking to you. Also, mm-hmm. in case anyone got lost, we are back to up in the air, not Juno. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know when they fire people in Juno? Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna be like, I don't remember that scene. <laughs> I barely remember Juno at all. I watched it once, dutifully, and never again. Oh, we don't have to go back to it. I'm just letting everyone know. Like, we can. I'll, maybe I'll schedule that someday and make you watch it again. <laughs> yeah, those, those scenes do such a good job, though, of bringing an emotional core from the very beginning uh to kind of like how personal it is to these people and i also love the way they end with these interviews and kind of giving like a different context to what we saw at the beginning right mm-hmm. i have very confused thoughts about the ending interviews that i will mm. get to when we are there um yeah i have thoughts uh ryan's card which alex is so impressed by is the American Airlines invitation-only concierge key. Started in 2007, it helps members arrange for reservation changes, upgrades, and even airport meetings. After the film was completed, Jason Reitman was invited into the program. It is only (laughs) sent to selected customers, and since it is not advertised, some travelers consider it a rumor. Which is why she was like, man, I didn't know these were like a real thing. <laughs> wow. She apparently hasn't hit as many miles yet. <laughs> no, she uh, she puts up pretty pedestrian numbers. You know, <laughs> Bowyer domestic. <laughs> Speaking yeah, we were of talking Vera of... Farmiga. Oh, go ahead. Um, sorry. Yeah, we were talking about that whole um, idea of like loyalty to uh, an airline or to a rental car company and how... I feel like for most people, and, and, you know, Ryan and Alex are like the elite, right? They do the mm-hmm. most traveling. But it feels like that type of um, rewards and loyalty is like no longer achievable for the common man anymore. And especially when we're talking about like airline travel and with like budget airlines and everything, it's just, it feels like the airlines now are, are like, we're going to give you the worst possible experience and you're going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, flying is not the tree that it used to be, but I do it so infrequently, and the destination is always fun. So now flying is very much a little treat. (laughs) Well, it's finally it's being treated more like it's almost like a customer service job in a lot of ways. Like you're you've got people who are being who, and you're absolutely right. Like it's just like, hey, you get the best this is what you're getting and you have to deal with it and then it's also but like people have changed a bit too like i work retail right now i'm i work at a men's warehouse um and so like at least over the last few years like people have definitely changed in some ways like when we came back from covid everyone was just so happy and excited and they were like oh my god the world is opening back up and now they're just like eh, like it feels like a lot of people are very much in a what are you going to do for me and like i think a lot of it deals with like 
how the economy is doing because it also people aren't flying as much so flights are going crazier you know or now people are trying to fly everywhere so they know they can raise up the pricing yeah and it just feels very much like it feels like the airlines are one of the things that are like indicative of our times or like a time period because i think you're absolutely right i think the at least for now the days of you know like the world the world traveler you know like a multi-traveler with a million miles is a little bit out of reach Mm -hmm. yeah for sure it's it's funny to like watch you know george clooney's character especially at the beginning so efficiently like travel and it almost is like you admire him and you're like oh man like he he knows what he's doing you know he's so like efficient and quick and uh he talks about like oh the things people hate about traveling i love about traveling and it almost makes you want to like uh not i don't want to say live that life but travel more and even enjoy uh the airport experience then you actually do it and it just sucks it's just awful. <laughs> yeah. it, it just drains your soul and it's he makes terrible. that cheap sushi sound so good i know I'm yes. so jealous of his packing abilities <laughs> but though. that's like, a that's so a win efficient. for the movie that they convince us that we're like oh maybe it is really great and then we're like no it isn't no it isn't <laughs> and the, it, exactly like because at the beginning you're right he, he absolutely makes it sound like i'm every time i'm like man like I've, I've i've watched this twice now so i make it sound like i've watched this 15 but like when i'm watching it i'm just like yeah i wish i could do that because like i just i mean i go on a day trip and i'm like well we're gonna need the big bag like <laughs> you know like we don't know if it's gonna rain is it gonna snow? like what's the weather who knows like i live near uh like one of the great lakes so like it could be super cold or it could be super hot like i never know from day to day so like i'm i'm just like to pack a bag that has one suit, two shirts, two <laughs> white t-shirts, a belt, and two ties, I'm flabbergasted. Oh, and his, like, <laughs> workout stuff. He has, like, two hoodies that look exactly the same, two sweatpants, and one pair of shoes. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> George Clooney's yeah. wardrobe for the entire film actually fits in one carry-on suitcase. Wow. Um, oh, that's, I, yeah. It blows yeah. my mind. I mean, yeah, he, I was just thinking, like, he's not a character that has, like, I would say a distinctive costume or look, but he is in that suit, like, I think the entire film. I don't think mm-hmm. he's ever out of it other than, like, being in a uh, a Hilton bathrobe or something <laughs> like that. Right, right. exactly. Um, there's a couple points where he's, like, where he, after Anna Kendrick and, Ale- and Vera Farmiga and him have done the, like, party, like, they snuck into the, like, tech party. And, like, the next day he's in, like, khaki pants and, like, that shirt. Oh, yes, yes. So, like, that's kind of a little bit of a change on it. But, like, for the most part, yeah, I think he's basically in just those clothes. That's so sad. I mean, and Anna Kendrick, I mean, she's in a suit the entire film. Entire film. Even at the party, she, like, takes off the jacket, but that's it. (laughs) Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Everyone else is kind of dressed down and she's still business, uh, business casual. Yes, she's a very very tightly wound (laughs) yeah i was gonna say but that kind of that's i think that's more of the character itself because like this character does not know what fun is for (laughs) sure like she's never seen fun like i don't (laughs) even think she knows it exists (laughs) i mean how much fun can you find in omaha that's very true (laughs) (laughs) i've never been so i won't judge i haven't either but instinctively i want to say yeah I mean, it's I'm just... in Indiana, so I can't really, you know, dunk on Omaha too much. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, something to keep in mind as we're going through this. At a press screening, Jason Reitman said that his father and producer Ivan Reitman had written the best line in the movie. However, he declined to reveal which line in particular it was. So keep an eye hmm. out to what you think his father wrote. That is what he considers the best line in the movie. Hmm. Interesting. I'm trying to, I'm like, I don't, there's not a ton of like lines that stick out to me. I mean, the the dialogue is very good and very kind of quick and witty and funny, but I can't think of any like uh, iconic, you know, memorable lines in the film, though. Uh, I think it was the one where he talks to Jason Bateman the first time and he's like, I took my first crap in two weeks. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I was like, that's the Ivan Reitman line right there. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> or i think it's the anybody who built an empire or changed the world set so where you are right now <laughs> mm, yeah i could see oh, that yeah. i could imagine that i could i could kind of see ivan raymond saying that because less... i haven't gotten i didn't get to that in the book so i don't know if that's like there's a like a couple in the book i know the uh you're so isolated and he's like isolated i'm surrounded like that's in the book okay but i didn't get to all of it so i don't know if that's a book line or not <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah i i think the best line is when natalie is complaining that he broke up with her over text message and he says it's kind of like firing someone over the internet <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes oh and i just love that for the at least we're jumping to the end but i just love the fact that she does breaks up with like she breaks up with her company over text message and he's I like know. man he's like some people have no manners and i'm just like yeah this is what you were doing for your whole company. Like, oh, it's kind of, so it's true. not nice when it's the other way around, is it? Like, <laughs> I just love it when some corporations get their comeuppance. It's like, hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what an awful business, too. Oof. Oh, yeah. That scene where um, the boss, by played by Jason Bateman, right? Yes. Um, yes. He is saying, like, oh, look at all these companies that are, like on a downturn and they're slashing all these employees and we're 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 in like great business now like he's he's so gleeful and happy about it it's so disgusting oh yeah no. he uh, to give you the exact quote he goes um oh i just had it where'd it go <laughs> uh he says uh i'll get to it i'm sorry where did it go away retailers are down 20 percent auto industry is in the dump housing market doesn't have a heartbeat it is one of the worst times on record for america this is our moment and i'm like oh yeah you you are kind of a kind of a scumbag aren't you a little oh, bit like, absolutely. <laughs> his, his outfit though is really perfect for his character though like the suspenders and like the cufflinks and kind of a, a greasy wall street businessman yes he looked like i he love just a good out use of, of suspenders I'll, <laughs> he looked like he just walked out of oliver stone's wall street and like yes. I, all i was thinking is like this man's personal motto is greed is good he has watched that movie 57 times like gordon gecko is his personal hero <laughs> like, like that's I, all i can think i love though that he never i don't know ryan never kind of has a moment with him where he challenges him like he never has to he, he's never really painted even though like you as the audience can read like ah, oh, this guy's a piece of shit like it never feels the need to like have a movie or a moment where ryan tells him off or he has any kind of realization or he gets put down i kind of like that he just exists you know mm-hmm 
Almost like the audience is smart enough to know that this guy sucks and we don't have to, like, focus any time on that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, and that's the thing. is I think you're... So in the novel, like, not to keep bringing that up because I didn't read all of it. But, uh, <laughs> he in skimmed the novel, it quickly. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, at the in the novel, he very much... At the beginning of it, he's like, I'm quitting my job. Like, so he's already in transition. So he had already put his, like, to his, like, resignation onto the boss's desk. So basically, like, Jason Bateman's character is on vacation. He's just waiting for him to get back and find his resignation letter. Mm -hmm. So, like, it does kind of give it a different vibe for the book because it's very much like this is, like, his, like, finale of traveling kind of thing. And he's trying to hit it. Interesting. And so for the, like, for this one, it just feels like he, I don't know, I think he's... He's not drinking the corporate Kool-Aid as much by the end of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Quickly, since we're getting into the story for a reminder for the people that have not seen this. um, George Clooney is playing our main character, Ryan Bingham, who fires people for a living. Vera Farmiga plays the effortlessly cool Alex, his kind of on-the-road love interest. Anna Kendrick, in her star-making turn as younger person in his company with radical ideas natalie keener jason bateman as we've already mentioned is the dreadful boss craig the absolute treasure that is melanie linsky (laughs) plays ryan's little sister who is getting married to danny mcbride who plays a character (laughs) named jen miller and that's pretty much everyone you need to know in this um yeah yeah, Vera Farmiga is uh, really good in this. Also, I love her character and her dynamic with. I lo- I love her character of um, Alex and her dynamic with Ryan. Her just kind of being like his mirror, you know, his exact duplicate almost, mm-hmm. and they're just like immediate connection and they're kind of on the road relationship. And we were kind of laughing because like. I had to look it up because Vera Farmiga is gorgeous, but she's, she looks older. Like we looked it up. She was like 35, I think when they made this, mm-hmm. but I'm like, really? she looks like, yeah, but she looks like a really good, like 40 or like yeah. 45, right? She like, just kind of has this like sophisticated older look to her. Uh, and I, cause she makes I feel that like comment when you're, th- by the time you're 34, but it yeah. feels like, you know, a, you know, past statement. That's what I thought too. Because yeah. Cause I'm that's... like, yeah, this woman and you know, not. That's uh, what brought Anna about Kendrick the whole discussion. 23, and she was like, you're exactly what it would look like in 15 years. <laughs> and that feels very like natural age for her, but she was a lot younger. Yeah. Cause you know, we, we were talking, I'm like. 34 is such a specific number if that isn't her age in the film, right? And then, like, that prompted us, like, looking it up. And I just feel like she's one of those actresses who has looked the same, like, in a good yes. way for, like, 10 years now at least. Yes. <laughs> yes, I absolutely completely. agree with and that. And I am, I am 34, so that line really hit me perfectly today. You were like, ouch. I know. I was like, ouch, but that's really funny at the same time. (laughs) And I feel like she's just looked, and I think you're absolutely right. I think in everything, she looks exactly the same. So every movie, I'm like, how old is she supposed to be? Yeah, yeah. How old is this character? Because like, sometimes (laughs) they'll like, play them off like, oh, this is younger than what they are, like, or they're older than what they are, like, their actual age. And I'm like, every time I'm like, ouch. Is Vera Farmiga? Yeah. Like, is she? Like, 
Is she supposed Looking to be her 20 up on or is she supposed to be 50? I don't know anymore. <laughs> yeah, like you said, there's the age that she is, but then also what is the movie? How are they? How old are they making her out to be or saying exactly. that she is? Yeah. And it's always <laughs> believable. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love her so much. I think her character is so complex and fascinating and her foil to him and the fact that she still does have a home and a family and he very much does not. Um, she's really interesting and complicated and I like it, even if she might be a horrible person. <laughs> I want to bring up, I want to bring up that scene where she, Alex is talking with Anna Kendrick's character, Natalie, after Natalie has just been broken up with. And oh, yes. Can we, yeah. we can talk about this scene as long as you want? I like wrote it down word yeah. for word because I think this scene is so important. This yeah, is it probably is. My, one of my favorites, if not my favorite scene of the movie. And, you know, she goes on this whole spiel about when you get to a certain age and what you're looking for and what you're willing to settle for and what you need. And it's so cool watching it, having already seen the film, because you you know that she's not talking about George Clooney, but when you first watch it, you mm -hmm. think she might be talking about George Clooney, right? Like, right. oh, these are the these are the qualities I'm looking for. This is the type of man that would be nice to have, and it almost feels like she wants to be with him. But when you watch it and you know that she actually has a husband and a family, you're like, no, this was the thought process that she had however many years ago when she decided to, to maybe settle for this home and a family and then also have this separate life. And so it just gives the scene so much more context and it's so enjoyable to see it on a second time. Yeah, it's my absolute favorite. I mean, from Natalie Portman... Natalie Portman. Oh my God, we just talked about last one, <laughs> and her name's Natalie Keener. Natalie um, Keener. <laughs> Natalie Keener. When Andre, when Anna Kendrick breaks down crying, from that moment on, I am just like, yes, yes, this is what oh. I come to this movie for. And uh, her, I'm just gonna read it out because yeah. it's just a perfect. When I was 16, I thought by 23 I'd be married, maybe have a kid corner office by day entertaining at night i was supposed to be driving a grand cherokee by now and alex responds life can underwhelm you that way and she's just like uh where did you think you'd be by um because she also cannot <laughs> tell how old vera farmiga is um, <laughs> and uh, she responds it doesn't work that way at a certain point you stop with the deadlines it can be a little counterproductive and Anna Kendrick responds, I don't want to say anything that's anti-feminist. I really appreciate everything your generation did for me. <laughs> and Vera from is just like, it was our pleasure. And Anna Kendrick says, but sometimes it feels like no matter how much success I have, it's not going to matter until I find the right guy. And she's asked, you really thought this guy was the one? And she says, I could have made it work. He really fit the bill. White collar, college grad, loves dogs. Likes funny movies, six one, brown hair, kind eyes, works in finance, but is outdoorsy, you know, on the weekends. I always imagined he'd have a single syllable <laughs> name like Matt or John or Dave. In a perfect world, he drives a forerunner, and the only thing he loves more than me is his gold lab. In a nice smile. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we get Vera Farmiga's perspective on this, which, as you pointed out, is her really talking about her husband, probably. Let me think. Uh, you know, honestly, by the time you're 34, all the physical requirements just go out the window. I mean, you kind of secretly pray that he'll be taller than you. 
And not an asshole would be nice. Someone who enjoys my company, comes from a good family. You don't think about that when you're younger. I don't know, someone who wants kids, likes kids, wants kids, is healthy enough to play with his kids. Please let him learn, earn more money than I do. You might not understand that now, but believe me, you will one day. Otherwise, that's a recipe for disaster. And hopefully some hair on his head, but I mean, even that's not a deal breaker these days. A nice smile. Yeah, a nice smile. A nice smile just might do it. Wow, that was depressing. <laughs> yeah. I should just, just date, date women. women. <laughs> Tried it. We're no picnic ourselves. <laughs> Something. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. Oh, I was just going to say. One of the things I really love about this is it really does show, like, the maturity of Alex versus, like, Natalie's white-eyed youth. And, like, how, like <laughs> George Clooney says he likes her zeal, and she does. Like, uh, you, you know, the character of Natalie is full of ideas, and she's, uh, you know, just has the wide-eyed optimism of, of youth. But, like, I I love the juxtaposition between the two of them of, like, Alex is this very much, like, w- traveled woman like she is a woman who who has gone through who is who is living life who's gone through things who's very much more mature and you know natalie is very much a you know a young woman she is still experiencing things she's learning things she's still going to be you know like she's still finding out everything about who she is and what she wants and what she you know like maybe her ideas aren't exactly what she wants or maybe the idea of what she wants isn't what she wants. She really needs. Sorry. <laughs> was oh fine. yeah, no, that's that yeah, absolutely up. something. I, something that like just kind of is coming to me now that I'm thinking about based on that conversation. That's interesting is, uh, you know, despite how similar Ryan and Alex seem, I think this scene really highlights a difference between them that becomes more apparent with the reveal later, which is that Alex is very practical, right? Like she has a very practical view of like marriage and relationships. And despite Ryan feeling similar, really his whole worldview is very impractical, right? He has this whole, you know, idea of like, oh, you should be on your own. You should be independent. You shouldn't need anyone else. You should be detached from all worldly possessions and relationships. And like, I mean, you could argue if he's right or not, but like, regardless, it's impractical and like, no one can ever actually live like that. And in a way, he and Natalie feel more similar, right? Because Natalie has this whole checklist for her life specifically what she wants like down to the name of like the fucking dog you know and (laughs) and that's similar to ryan and they both kind of have these unrealistic expectations of how they want their life to shape out whereas alex feels very much like uh you know kind of go with the flow and not expect too much of things right yes absolutely uh it, it she really does like and that's one of the reasons i like alex is like alex is very much she feels like the most adult out of all of them yes. like, yeah like in a lot of ways ryan like ryan is so like he doesn't want com- commitments like and that's something when you're younger sometimes you think you don't need like you think oh i can just i'll get everything done on my own i can do this myself blah, blah, blah. like I, i'm never gonna need anybody like at least i've gone through those sta- things before like and 
same with natalie natalie's like oh i'm looking for this specific thing like i don't want anything but it and then alex is very much like yeah life doesn't always work out like that (laughs) (laughs) you know like sometimes you're not getting like you're you don't look for just the physical things of your life you have to go for what emotionally will also stimulate and nurture you and i just i i really like the character of alex (laughs) yeah it feels like she's better at what george clooney does than he is Mm -hmm. so she's like doing it better than him you know she has figured out what she needs in her life she has her home life and her stability and then she also has her travel life and where ryan is confused about what he wants and is wondering if he wants something more with alex and there's that scene where she confronts him and and she says you don't even you don't even know what you want Mm -hmm. um which is in stark contrast to her where she just has a clear idea of what she wants and what she needs in her life well and that's exactly it is like she has the home so she has a background she can go back she can stop seeing ryan whenever she wants like she could stop doing this job and just live with her family like and i think her having that emotional support that the backbone is like it comes from her actually having like the family and the and uh and and a life outside of her travels and i think that's exactly why i think you're right i think she is much better at what at what ryan does because ryan's entire focus is on the travel and he has nothing supporting him behind it mm-hmm. so like once that falls apart what does he have and yeah. i think that's what he realizes by the end of it is like especially like going with his like going to his sister's wedding and everything like that he realizes that the emotional connections he's broken or like tried to ignore or like let die like those are the things that are generally what make life worth living mm. see i i i don't want to like get into the the ending discussion yet but i actually think i have like a a differing view on it or at least i think it's more obscure than that okay I was gonna say your reaction is so weird to that Sean. (laughs) It came out weirder than I meant it to. I was just gonna go like, okay, yeah, I can't wait to get to it. And then it just like my face. I was like, I'm stopping and I'm just like, oh, now I really need to know. And I'm like, can we just I don't want to skip to the end, but I'm also like, I wanna know. (laughs) The best things in life are worth waiting for. No, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, I'm not good with patience. (laughs) <laughs> While we're on the subject of Alex and also Natalie to some extent, I'm curious what you think of their the movie's views on women, because in some ways it's like, yeah, we want to be feminists, but also I really want to get the right guy. And is like, is this movie progressive? Is it? I really like the character of Alex because like she's really complex and isn't black and white but when i watch it sometimes i'm like is this a little i never know what end to come off of with it well for me at least i don't i don't know i i think the whole point of like at least for me and i'm a man so like i'm not trying to mansplain feminism but like feminism is being able to make your like to have the same as what men are getting like you know like feminism is you know like not treating women differently just because they're women and i think allowing natalie to choose what she wants is 
more important than them making her choose between her career and like a family like i think a lesser film might have done that if does that make any sense am i just speaking out of nothing Um, no i see what you're saying i think it's an interesting question that the movie brings up because it's you know natalie mentions i appreciate what your generation did and it's, it's sort of a funny line because Alex isn't really that much older than her. Right. So it's not like she's part of the original um, second she's wave not feminism. A yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I do think she's touching on a point that um, more millennials have faced and millennial women specifically is this idea that like um, you can't have it all, right? Because in the 90s, it was this idea of like, you can be a mom, you can be a wife, you can have a job. And now in this time period, and a little bit when this movie was made too, it's the idea that like, you actually can't though, because the system isn't really made for women. And so p- both parents working and raising a family, like it doesn't really work. And for a woman to think that like, oh, I'm gonna have the perfect life, I'm going to be a really great mom. I'm going to have a supportive husband and I'm going to have an amazing career and having kids is not going to like hold me back at all. It's just unrealistic. And I think it's, it's not going into this at all in the film, but I think it is raising the question. And Natalie is asking that question. Like, what do I want out of my life? Can I have it all? And is that possible? And I think the movie really does bring up systems of inequality in a, in a subtle way. And this is an example of that. Yeah, I really like what you said about that. You could even tie that into Alex's character, right? Because Mm -hmm. in some ways, she seems to have it all, right? Uh, You know, she has the career and, like, her travel and, like, her husband and children at home. But, like, she also is having this, like, fling with George Clooney's character, right? Yeah, so did having it all... She has a secret life and is going off on wedding dates. (laughs) Yeah. How much time is she missing with her kids? Because she's always on the road. Yeah, like, clearly uh, jo- her family... You know, doing the Mile High Club thing. <laughs> yeah. Regionally, like, clearly, no, she's nonetheless. Not get- <laughs> yeah, she's not getting everything out of her marriage that she clearly wants or needs, right? But, like, I guess she's still getting it, like, one way or the other, you know, with these with her fling with George Clooney, so... I mean, if you're having a fling with George Clooney, you're getting it, so... <laughs> I mean, good, good for her, though. You're doing something but, I mean, right. The movie, the movie starts out pretty much, I mean other than the talking head vignettes of people talking about being fired mm-hmm. with George Clooney asking the question, who the fuck am I? Which might be yeah. the thesis for the movie. Yes. Um, yeah. That's a good question. Or a good point. And uh, I still don't know if he figures it out by the end. And well, yeah, but the character of George, and I mean, what kind of person gets into this line of work? yeah <laughs> and stays there and i mean thrives. natalie you know natalie starts it is doing well and then ultimately decides this is not for me right yeah um and then george clooney is still living his best life question mark yes something that i was thinking about watching this was you know he has these great little like motivational one-liners the whole anyone who built an empire sat where you're sitting mm-hmm. and i kind of wonder he doesn't seem insincere about it and i'm kind of like how much of his own kool-aid is he drinking here because he also gives like the whole motivational speaking like tour and uh the backpack stuff and i'm kind of like is he buying what he's selling i i I don't know 
I think he really seems to because at the end is when he like doesn't buy it when he's at his, you know, famed gold quest or whatever. And he leaves mid speech because he's like, I don't believe this anymore. So I think he 100 percent believed his own bullshit. Well, yeah. And but I mean, he even says it. He goes when they when they when he first goes back and like Anna Kendrick is, you know, firing the HR guy, you know, like (laughs) give it up for Ned. and he goes, she goes, oh, it's nothing personal when she's, when they're role playing the firing him. And he's like, this is the most personal situation you're <laughs> ever going to enter. Like, he recognizes what he's doing. Yeah. Like, and that's one of the things that differ, like, it differs him from Natalie, where, like, her wide eyed youth and she's trying to make everything better and more sufficient and, you know, cut their costs of travel 85%, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's great, but you're also destroying people's lives. Yeah. In some way, shape, or form. Like, this isn't a good thing for most people. Like, some people, yes, they can make take it and turn it into something better. But in the in the first things you hear are you're being let go, like, people are going to go to the, you know, they're going to go to the rough of it. Especially at the time. And I think that's one of the things that is really important for why I, I like the character of Ryan so much, is he recognizes that. And that's what Natalie doesn't. And then we spend the rest of the movie watching Natalie realize exactly what this field is. Mm-hmm. It's not just saying, you're fired, bye. Like, it, and then, you know, by the end, once we realize that, like, the woman from the beginning, like, her first firing, you know, goes and you know, actually does, you know, not to jump to the end, but she goes and jumps off the bridge. Like, I think those are all moments that I think Natalie didn't realize what this job really was and i think ryan does i think ryan's been doing it for so long that yes he does drink the kool-aid but he's also doing it because he recognizes that like it is you have to be personable you have you're not doing this just to hurt people like this is going to be the darkest day of people's lives and in a lot of ways he keeps it personal like he doesn't keep it personal but he also doesn't keep it clinical yeah, I also really love the scene where she's firing that one guy. It's the first, like, over-video one. And mm-hmm. she tries to give him the whole, like, oh, well, there's plenty of opportunities. And the guy's like, I'm 56 fucking years old. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And yeah. just kind of confronting her with, like, the reality that, like, you can't always put, like, a positive spin on this situation. And when, at the end of it, when he's just crying, she can do nothing else but say, like, okay, next, please. Like, get out of here. Like, you yeah. can't always, you know, approach this with some kind of positive spin. That shot of her looking at the list of names and just crossing him uh. off. Uh, yeah. Like. Oh, I also, when she, like, when he, he, like, speaks up and she looks up and he's in the room just, like, right past them. Yeah. With, like, the frosted glass. And you know she's just, like. He's, like, right there. Like, I'm destroying his life from five feet away, and he doesn't even know it. Well, more than five feet. Like, 12 <laughs> feet away. Like, you know, and he doesn't even know it. And she realizes then and there, I think, just, like, how impersonal impersonal she's making it. Yeah. It's rough. Uh, yeah, I do love when she's like, please, for the love of God, can I fire the next one? And then gets that person and then the next thing we see is her just storming outside like that would be so unsettling um (laughs) 
I did find it quite funny, even though it's awful. And she's like, I mean, do we ever follow up with them? Like, how do we yeah. know? He's like, well, I mean, no good could come of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's such a good line. <laughs> it really did make me think, though. I was like, if this company existed now, I feel like they would have to have some kind of protocol that was like, if someone implies that they might hurt themselves, you have to, like, call somebody. Like, file a report. You know? Yeah. Like... And and I think there's much more of an awareness about, you know, suicide and, and kind of a, a drive to promote, like, suicide prevention resources. Um, but, yeah, when I was watching that, and I didn't even remember because it had been so long since I'd watched the movie the first time. So I didn't even remember that that woman in the film follows up on her threat. Mm-hmm. As I'm watching her say this to Anna Kendrick's character, to Natalie, I'm like, oh, they need to have some kind of like protocol for this they need to there needs to be someone that they can call or a report they can file or something that like this woman made threats um and i'm just letting you like somehow let somebody else know about that absolutely and well and it's also it not to to dwell on it but like in a lot of ways it does show a little bit more of like ryan's detachment because he doesn't remember her like he, he should oh he does honestly, after he does after I think they he say does. the bridge bit yeah like well maybe a little like I, I but he's just like oh nothing was said nothing was that was he just covering his tracks or was I it think him he just was not he was covering he, for her yeah oh, okay. for natalie yeah okay see i i didn't i didn't take it as that way i took it as he i'll have to rewatch that again <laughs> um because i, I mean, took it, it i was like oh and now that you say it yeah you're right because that makes way more sense for the character then because i was just like really he goes through this whole movie learning like how to do attachments and then, then he's like i don't remember like, <laughs> I, was like, I think I mean, we I missed mean, the point i don't know if there's a confirmation that he doesn't remember but yeah i mean that was like my impression too, i think there's very much like, a look of recognition in his, in his eyes and everything and remembers the yeah and what happened and he's just like saying no so natalie won't have any more guilt or have to deal with uh any more bullshit you know, I mean, maybe the, maybe there was supposed to be a protocol that they that uh, Ryan just didn't follow up with, you know, because right. uh, Jason Bateman's character was like, did she say anything like and, you know, Ryan earlier had been like, ah, people say crazy stuff all the time. People make threats like maybe he's just kind of like numb to it all as well. And like maybe there was something he should have done that he didn't do. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But he seems to generally follow stuff by the book. I don't know. It's fascinating to think about, though. Do you think <laughs> there's actually companies out there? Like, is this a legitimate job? Well, I feel like it is. I'd imagine. Like, like I feel I. I mean, especially if you're doing a, 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 an entire like team of people. Like that list of hers had what, like twenty people on it, like. Could you imagine having to be the person who still works at the company and having to do all that? Yeah, I mean, when like, you talk about, like, really big layoffs, you know, I mean, in the tech industry now, like, a lot of companies are laying off, like, a certain percentage of their staff, right? So then that might be a job that you outsource at that point. Less less so when you're like, oh, I'm just firing this person because they are not showing up to work or they did they stole something from the company. And when it's really, like, a a downsizing maybe it is more efficient to have a company come in and do that for you it's more um sorry i just looked it up real quick 
but it says there it's more called like hr outsourcing now essentially mm. ah, okay. as opposed to just being like we're a company that fires people like it's like outsourcing <laughs> it's outsourcing your HR i mean i'd rather for... hire the terminators but <laughs> yeah. that's uh, a great no, name <laughs> no no thank you because um i've seen those movies um <laughs> <laughs> So, um, this is a little off the bar. I'm just kind of like flipping through the chronology a little bit. What do you think of him and Alex's meet cute where they compare business cards and (laughs) realize they're perfect for each other? Good scene. Good scene. It is the most... it reminded me of American Psycho <laughs> when they're all comparing their like their their business cards. I was like, "Oh, this is like American Psycho as a drama, like a, a as like a comedy." <laughs> like, which I mean, American Psycho, American Psycho is, is, a, is a, comedy. a comedy, but like it, it's very much like a comedy meet cute rom com kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I like the touch that kind of keeps coming back where uh, Ryan has all of these key cards for his rooms but he stayed at so many he doesn't remember which one is for his room yeah that cracked me up i'm just like he has all these cards he's such a pro everywhere he goes but every single hotel it's like he can't do it i'm just like he really can't manage a hotel door (laughs) (laughs) something i was thinking about was like i i do like the character of alex and her relationship and dynamic with ryan in the film but i wonder I think without that reveal at the end that she actually has a family, I don't know if her character would be as compelling or interesting. I mean, she definitely wouldn't be as compelling or interesting, but, like, I think if, you know, it was a more traditional scene where George Clooney runs after her and, you know, they decide to be together, I I might be like, oh, you know, they're cute together, they have good chemistry, but she's kind of just like a tailor-made character for him i feel like i also would have just never bought it she seemed very yeah yeah from the beginning like yeah i I wouldn't have bought that from her i think it needs that angle at the end because you're almost like uh of course there's you know this other aspect to it right she was too perfect she was too and we know nothing about her we didn't even know her job is like yeah. yeah yeah she's like this you know this beautiful aloof like (laughs) <laughs> you know just booty call i, mean, <laughs> I, don't know, I guess the she whole says, entire movie though i'm just like she's so fucking cool she's just like <laughs> she says to ryan she's like just think of me as as you with a vagina like yeah, she really yeah. is kind of portraying herself as his uh, another version of him yeah his his equal at least in this or in like in travel or just like an extension of himself, which both are fascinating to think of. <laughs> yeah, I just I think like in hindsight, you know, I like their dynamic. I like their flirtation, their meet cute, like all that stuff. But I think I would just like all of that a lot less without the reveal later. I right. think you like need that reveal to add that depth to her, like for, you know, reflection or rewatching. And it's like when you're watching it, she's so... Uh enigmatic and everything and then just that moment at the end it's just like it clicks yeah um just fascinating i really yeah. like it and i think you're absolutely right though uh i i really do think this movie would not be nearly as good if she if they ended up together at the end like i don't think that would have made like it, it would have made this too i don't know trite 
I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Like it would have been just like, oh, this is just another rom com. Like the fact that like she does, she does have the emotional center for herself. Like I think it it just makes it makes it so much more poignant. I have to say, I think one of my favorite scenes of them together. And I don't know why this one sticks out to me in in my memory, but, like, I love the scene where they go to his old high school and, like, break in and just kind of, like, walk around and look around. And I don't know if it, like, that high school, like, the style of that type of building reminds me of, like, my high school and just kind of, like, the reminiscing and him, I mean, him literally opening up to her, too, more and being like, yeah, this is kind of a part of me, this is where I came from, and... Uh, you know, it's it's kind of fun, a little uh, a little risky, and uh, it, it's just a good scene with them. But it's one of those ones that like easily could have been cut from the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just like watching them interact like that. Yeah, it's very much a random thing, but I enjoy it. It's really cute. See, I didn't find it random only because I feel like this is the part like. We're like getting he's to opening, the point he's where opening he's up. opening his life. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah. he's very much like, this is who I am. This is who I was. Like, this is where I grew up. This is my home. Like, and he's opening it up to her because, like, I mean, even when he goes to ask her, he's like, you know, I, he's like, I want, he's like, if you could stomach it, like, I want to, I want to spend this, I want you to come to the wedding. I don't want to be the guy standing at the bar anymore. So he's going through it and, like, he is growing emotional, uh, growing emotional with her. And, you know, like, he's taking her to places, like, he became who he is and who, like, where he grew up at. And I think it's it's very much, like, I think this is the moment he really lets you in. Because he doesn't have any life other than his job. Yeah. Like, his job, like, he doesn't, his apartment is, like, a one-bedroom, like nothing in it there was no like all he had was condiments in the door like (laughs) you know when he opens the refrigerator which same but like there's also food in there and like you know like he's very much a guy like he has no other life so i think him showing her his high school years and like him like playing where like this is where we came to make out like i played basketball like here's these trophies that we won and like i think that's him like him letting her into his life for sure now yeah. like yeah. because he doesn't have any life past that he really, really doesn't i have a i have a random question because this was something that like i don't know if i noticed this before but like so he has that really you know tiny bare bones apartment right mm. then then there's a scene where he meets uh danny mcbride's character and they're chatting and he mentions that he got rid of the apartment didn't he Yes, he does. But then there's a scene later when he's in. If it's not that apartment, it looks just like it. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. did he get a new apartment, or is this kind of like a mistake? In the- I, I think uh, he got rid of his place, and then once he like had to go back, he just got another one, and that was just his bare bones, like his toothbrush, his two shirts. He. Okay. I do think the room, what we see of it, is slightly different than his original apartment. I also think he might have been lying to Danny McBride's character <laughs> because Danny <laughs> that McBride's is very character valid. is in real estate. So he's like, also, oh. he's they like, are do you still so have the one do- bedroom? Oh, they are yeah. so doomed getting into a real estate venture oh, in 2009. I, I was like, Melanie Linsky, no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Let's say. 
you never know what like but maybe their town has like four houses for sale or something um <laughs> and they were turnkey which is you know as we learned a couple years ago after everyone got the stimulus checks people won't like that turnkey is nice <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I always took it as he was just lying to him, so he wouldn't like he wouldn't be all like, "Oh, he's like, oh, I don't have any place," so he's not going to be like, "Oh, oh, okay, well, you know, you could always move closer, or you could always do this, or blah 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 blah, or we we can get you a house out there, or whatever." You know, that, that's interesting. I didn't I didn't even take it or think of, to take it that way, but like that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, anything to get him to shut up, I think. <laughs> because True. it is, it's the exact same. And then what he that is when he opens the refrigerator. So, like, that's when the condiments are in there. I was like, we there's no point where he has had the chance to go back to this apartment. <laughs> like, yeah. I think it is the same apartment. Like, the, the, it, what is the chance that he moved to another apartment that had the exact same layout? Like, <laughs> oh, for sure. With the same, like, sliding, sliding wall, which also <laughs> a sliding wall. Oh yeah awful. Uh, that's just bad just eat, leave it open sir leave it open <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't have wanted to live like that in college <laughs> oh. what do we um, think of the uh the wedding and the his relationship with his his sisters i think the wedding is so cute because this is another thing i didn't write it down but they actually did it like a real wedding had an actual like wedding photographer and wedding planner and stuff in the reception and Aww. went through it like a real thing and um it filmed it all so that's why it feels like you know real wedding footage mm-hmm. um but yeah, they- i love melanie linsky adore her and so anything involving her i'm just gonna love no matter what his relationship with his sisters i find fascinating they don't really give us a lot of information you know there's little clues but not really as to what happened like i wonder why they're not close why he's always been on gone like what was their home life like i don't know Mm -hmm. um sean i think he put it in the notes he uh couldn't see any of them as siblings Mm. um yeah yeah, sean what are your thoughts well, I just I I like it when my movies where they have like a physical resemblance to each other, like in some way, shape, or form. And I do not feel that like Amy Morton, George Clooney, and Melanie Linsky came from like the same parents. Like I don't see like maybe Melanie Linsky and like Amy Morton, but like I cannot see like I don't know George Clooney doesn't he just doesn't fit for me, and it's like I don't know that. I just I like it when movies they have at least like trying you know that, <laughs> like, that's or if fair. they would have said he's adopted and like he's their adopted <laughs> brother I would have been like oh it makes so much sense like that's why he's never there because he was never like felt like he was you know really loved or whatever I don't know whatever but like he I just they did not look like siblings to me like I was I, like <laughs> I, just, I had a similar thought because when he first is talking to Kara like over the phone I was like do they look similar at all? Like, are they siblings? And I don't know. Like, when it's just two of them, you can maybe buy it. And then when they introduce the younger uh, sister, Melanie... I'm sorry, what's her name? Melanie? Julie. Linsky. Linsky. When they introduce her, I'm like, oh, she doesn't look like either of them. So, (laughs) like... (laughs) Exactly. Like, I could... Like I said, she has, like, the same, like, round cheeks. Like, Amy Morton has those cheeks. So I could maybe understand her and Amy Morton, but George Clooney looks nothing like them. 
at <laughs> all. So I'm like, I'm glad you guys pick good actors, a- actors and actresses, but like, maybe next time just a little familial resemblance. <laughs> like, you know, I I can understand that. <laughs> My main takeaway watching it for this recording after seeing both this year um her monologue about <laughs> what it's like to peel human flesh off of a body in yellow jackets and also like in the last of us being like well kids die henry kids die all the time <laughs> and going back to seeing her like as sweet little melanie linsky was just really entertaining because now i'm used to like melanie linsky's a terrifying badass (laughs) for a moment i thought you were quoting up in the air and i was like i missed that line (laughs) peeling flesh off a human body they had a very strange wedding Um, (laughs) (laughs) i also love the song they play too um i just pulled it up because uh i wanted to look it up it's very it feels like it would be in Juno or something too, but Help Yourself by Sad Brad Smith. Uh, a very sweet. <laughs> great name. Great name, but like a very sweet song and like the montage is great. I also like it's filmed differently than everything else. It's all very handheld camera. Like you were saying, it feels like wedding photography or uh, wedding footage, right? Right. Right. Uh, and then also for me, I really like I enjoy the fact that like after their dinner, he's like, oh, um, like when they've before the wedding itself, like he's like, oh, who's going to walk you down the aisle? Yeah. And she's like, oh, um, you know, like his his uncle is going to do it. And I think that's the moment. That's one of the moments that like I think Ryan himself realizes is like, oh. Like, I'm not really involved in their life. Like, I have, like, the emotional connection for them is just, like, like, I'm not here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? And I think that that's, that hurts him in more ways than I think he thinks it will. And I what? I enjoyed that. I love that moment. And I also love that the camera holds there for a moment after Ryan walks away. And the two sisters... Uh, like, Julie seems, like, very upset and irritated by it, and Kara has to be like, I know, I know. And I think there's so much yeah, to, I... to read in that moment, because, you know, clearly it's a lot for her to have her brother, who's gone all the time, show up and be like, hey, you need me to walk you down the aisle? Like, <laughs> acting like now he wants to be involved, and that being, like, upsetting to be like, no, I had to find someone else because you're not around. And... It also makes you wonder, or at least it made me wonder, like, has Ryan ever done this before? Where, like, he kind of maybe returns from the road every few years and, like, maybe has a a fleeting interest in his sisters and his family again before he loses interest and leaves? Like, is this something they've experienced before? Hmm. Um, I feel like they they have. Um, In the book, it is a little bit more, because I did get to that part. Um, Mm. (laughs) the uh, the older sister Kara talks about how he had like like in the book their mother is still alive and he was supposed to like pick up a a, a necklace that she had wanted really bad and he ends up like screwing it up and like sends her the completely wrong necklace and like it was a big hullabaloo for their family kind of thing and it was very like I think in this one like I think the where he I think he comes back for like maybe his parents funerals because i don't think either of their parents are supposed to be 
alive at this point yeah and like he's like oh you know everyone when he tells natalie before she starts her crying jag he's like oh everyone dies alone like i saw it with my parents i saw it with my grandparents like you go to you get put in a nursing home and then you end up die you're like you die alone yeah that monologue yeah. is is great and it leading so, into it leading into her crying is is so funny. I know, her bursting yeah. into tears is so wonderful yeah she has so many great little moments i mean just her typing on the computer just uh, furiously and he's like are you mad at your computer and she's like i type with purpose i don't know how many times i've said that <laughs> uh she's just fantastic and just her little like when he's talking about what they do in their job and she's like that's really impressive you're gonna put that in your book um, <laughs> she's wonderful delightful uh the whole entire scene where they're throwing away her luggage just trying to repack (laughs) oh yeah gold absolute gold um and i will admit him like telling her how to go through security i it is awful but so funny and i think about (laughs) it every time i'm going through security in the airport like i just follow the line but like i think of it if i'm behind like kids or old people like (laughs) yeah Uh, I stereotype it's faster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, his one and, about old people is what really cracked me up. He's like, their bodies are littered with hidden metals, and they never <laughs> seem to appreciate how much time they have left on earth. <laughs> mm. I think it's funny. Anyway, <laughs> I was so, laughing. <laughs> uh, but what did you think about? natalie and well the jk simmons scene um where natalie is like (laughs) yes and natalie is like well sometimes kids can apply themselves better at school (laughs) (laughs) and then ryan sweeps in with the charm about his you know cooking as if he's gonna start a restaurant at 60 years old (laughs) um well, his children are super young. So yeah, how old is J.K. Simmons. I I be? understood that it was like old pictures. Mm. No, I didn't take it as that. I took it as really. Like, like, why would he be all like, "Oh yeah, I'm so worried about my 18 year old." Like, like no, he's like my he's like say that to them. Like he's talking to his children who are now. Like you don't keep your like if your kid is like. 20 now you don't keep an eight-year-old picture usually like usually you do like a family picture or something like that i've never seen anybody keep like a one specific photo like and i don't know i just felt like he's like that is he's supposed to be like those are the ages of his children i don't understand (laughs) wallet photos like that's like right before my time like i don't keep photos in my wallet um I want as little in there as possible, so I don't really know what people. <laughs> I have a cell phone. Where, like, where, like, where do you guys fall on the wallet photo spectrum? I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, it was before our time. Yeah, I think. yeah. The yeah. slimmer, the better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it carries my cards. It carries my cash. It carries my ID. That's it. That's all I need. <laughs> I I do love a J.K. Simmons cameo, though. He's just such a great actor in everything that yes. he's in. Oh. Well, and it's another it's another one of the scenes that like really shows because Natalie's Natalie's arc in this movie is like she realizes like her like the her not using like emotion or empathy towards people like like sometimes you can't just 
use numbers to solve everything yeah because she does she tells him like oh yeah your kid you, you know you just lost your job but maybe your kids will do better in school because you guys are poor like <laughs> you know like and it's you know and it, it is it's the first like real wake-up call she gets where it's like oh like this isn't just like somebody's not gonna just say oh okay and then walk out the door like it's a you know and then she's like oh here let me let me give you um like statistics like nobody gives a shit about statistics like you're you are essentially destroying my life right now and i think that's one it's one of the it's the start of her journey to like realize like this is just just was not her field (laughs) (laughs) and like realizing like oh it's more than just being an impartial like oh you're fired bye you know yeah yeah also, I, I I do love the uh, the Sam Elliott cameo as yes. well as the pilot. Perfect. <laughs> so did they like, plan him on that flight? They were just like, oh, he's gonna hit it on this one. You need I to think be on about that flight. I thought about that too because it was like he asked to meet the chief pilot. So I was like, it has to be planned beforehand. Well, I actually but... wondered if this was possibly, and I don't necessarily think this, but if this was like a dream sequence or like in his head. Because something I noticed was in a lot of the airport scenes, there's American Airlines advertisements in the background, and mm-hmm. Sam Elliott's on them. Like, he's the guy posing. Like, you, it's only out of focus. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's him. It's like, you can see his it mustache. Uh, <laughs> so like, it's Sam Elliott. Yeah. yeah. So Ryan well, knows what he looks like, right? And like, like you said, the scene plays out so weirdly with like oh uh the we have the pilot right here for you and like the seat beside him just happens to be open and you know it's kind of dreamlike in a way i'll be honest i think that because he was so close i think they were tracking it like and i did i'm not gonna lie because again he was the seventh person in the world to do it so yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. so they were all like he is going to hit it on this flight and like he says when he hits it when he gets the executive status of, of it like oh i'll get to meet the 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 number one pilot and like that would be sam elliott's character so i do mm-hmm. think they planned it in the book they're all like oh we thought your last flight was going to be it so we had a big party planned because oh, <laughs> like, that's at the end of well not to spoil anything but like <laughs> the, the end of the book is he's he hits it and okay. he sorry if that gives anything away um, oh darn but, it now i <laughs> yeah I was gonna say it's the focus spoiled of the, the entire thing yep um it's not the journey not the destination it's the journey well um, everyone needs a hobby yes <laughs> and but he like they're like oh we thought you were gonna get it on this flight so we had like planned a big party afterwards for you off the off the flight he's like and then we realized it was this one so like i came over to be on the flight with you that's really funny when mm-hmm. i also wondered if my theory was shaped by the fact that it's Sam Elliott playing the pilot, and he's very right. similar to um, his character in The Big Lebowski, who is also God, maybe. So, I mean, Sam Elliott is just always Sam Elliott. I mean, I wrote in my notes, and I was like, "Oh, he hit his miles, and he gets to meet Sam Elliott." Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I want to talk about that conversation that Ryan has with his future brother-in-law Jim when okay. when you know Jim played by Danny McBride has cold feet on the day of the wedding and Ryan has to be the one to go talk to him and convince him to go through with the wedding. And I love how ill-equipped 
Ryan is <laughs> to talk to him about this, but how he does kind of give him good advice in this scene. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's almost he like, to, like he comes to the realization himself during it. Yeah. 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 He He's has to forcing argue him suddenly. to think about life in a different way than he ever has. Yeah. He has and... to argue for the other side all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's cute. I just love Kara's face when he like starts off badly and she's like, yeah, and he's just like, you know, there really is no point. And she's just like, what are you doing? (laughs) And she's just like, no. Well, and I do. And I, I really do think that's like, really like, that is kind of like the final nail and like Ryan's, you know, solitary coffin. Um, like where he's like, Oh, like, you know, life is better with a co-pilot. Like, you know like he's of course he's thinking like he's thinking about his miles he's thinking about him but he's also thinking about his future and i think for him that's really the moment where it's like oh oh Mm -hmm. got it (laughs) like (laughs) okay but here's where i'm gonna i'm gonna attack it right because yeah go ahead we're we're we're, we're kind of nearing the ending right because he has this epiphany right Mm -hmm. and it's not long after that we have the scene of him uh, at his conference and abandoning his speech, right? And he rushes to Alex's house, but then he has the discovery of her real life, right? Right. And not long after that, uh, you know, he finds out Natalie left and he's going back on the road. And I, I love, I love, love, love the end of this movie because for me, it's super ambiguous if he has changed at all or learned anything. Like, I find it real, and it's very circular, too, right? I mean, like, he's essentially ending the movie right where he began. Like, he experienced mm-hmm. a lot, but he's just back on the road doing his job. It's as if, you know, Alex isn't in his life anymore. Natalie isn't in his life anymore. And you're kind of like, is this the same guy or not? And Yeah, and even I would his final argue voiceover, that, I don't he's know. just like, you know, my wingtip will be passing over you. Like, this is just my life. Yeah. Yeah, like everyone else has these attachments, but not me. I'm I'm flying in the sky. And even his conversation with Sam Elliott, he's like, "Where are you from?" And he's like, "I'm from here." Mm-hmm. Meaning, like, yeah. the sky, like that's where he lives. You know, up in the air. But I'm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he has that conversation with Sam Elliott immediately after the Alex reveal, and mm-hmm. you know, Sam Elliott makes the comment about like, you know, we love your your loyalty to us. And it feels like in this moment, despite everything he's experienced with, like, his sisters and Alex and opening up, like, he's kind of, like, being coerced back into, like, his loyalty to just his job and the airlines and everything else that he started off with. Mm-hmm. I could I could see that. For me, it's the... So, it's the letter he writes for Natalie. Yeah. Because I think if he wouldn't have wrote that letter for Natalie, like, the letter of recommendation... I don't think he I think he would be the exact same person. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's learned to treasure the people that change him or like have some form of impact in his life because she does. And like, I think, yes, he's going back into it and he's going to be doing it. But I think he's going to treasure the like relationships he has now. Like and he like even the ones with his family, like I think he's changed a little bit more there, too, especially like realizing how not in their lives he was. Yeah, he also gives some of his miles to his sister Julie mm-hmm. and Jim. 
because they couldn't, afford, he, they couldn't afford to go on a honeymoon. Okay, I want to point out something, though, about that moment. He's mm-hmm. on the phone with the airline asking about it. And they are like, oh, you could do this package, you know, for this many miles. And then Jason Bateman walks into his office and he goes, yeah, okay, no, I'll, I'll like, call you back about that. So, like, we never actually get any confirmation that he that did he that. did it. Oh, that's true. I like, oh. to, I like to think that he did. I fully believe he did it. <laughs> you um, can, I mean, you, I, you, there's totally room for that interpretation, but I like the fact that there's no confirmation that he right. ever actually followed right. through. Wow. Because he did even say earlier, like, you know, when she's like, when Natalie was like, is it, is it a secret target? Yeah. And he was like, you know, I'm not saving up for Hawaii or anything. Like, it's literally just about the miles. Yeah. So he had 10 million miles, but he didn't, like, you know, need them. So no. he gave away a million of them. So his sister and her husband could fly around the world because their retail, they'll have time because that retail, or, um, <laughs> real oh estate. Why do I keep, thank you. I'm like, <laughs> why do I keep saying retail? Thank you. <laughs> real estate venture is not going anywhere. So they have time to travel the world. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So for me, uh, and I, I think you're right. I think like, uh, yes, it's never, it's never explicitly said, um, (laughs) but like, I do think it very much, I think by the end of it, he is a changed man. So yes, I think he's a little bit resigned, but I think he's going to appreciate what he has a little bit more. Um, Maybe he's realizing like something will change for him. Maybe later down the line. Maybe he's, finally knowing what he wants because you know he started out knowing exactly what he wanted in life and then with alex he thought maybe i want something different and then you know that's shut down right so now maybe he's like well i tried it and i still i don't want it anymore yeah and, like i'm going back to how i was before but like with more conviction now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah he's changed but he's changed back <laughs> he has like, more I'm understanding but he's still essentially the same yeah he's like, um, well, well that was fun but no commitments please yeah <laughs> yeah one of I'm my notes a... verbatim about the ending i just said i'm never quite sure what the ending is trying to convey because mm. you know it's got his recommendation letter he seems to have not really changed much as a character you know like as you said it's pretty much exactly how he started and then it also has those talking heads again yeah talking about losing you know the effects of losing their jobs but they're all like you know i've got my family it's all okay and it's like is this trying to make us feel better that these people have no job and they're like (laughs) it it just it didn't fit with a tone i was like what is this trying to tell me right now but it does a little bit like the whole movie is about emotional connection like it's about the connection that ryan has lost with people it's what he was like he thinks he doesn't want and then by the end of it he realizes like he does want it with alex he wants it with his family and i think that's one of the things is like it, it, at least the fla- the finale part for at least this was my takeaway from it was the movie's about emotional connection and like by the end of it when the, when the whoa, the talking heads are talking again they're like oh if i didn't have my family to get it through get me through it like 
I would be in a worse spot than I was. And I think that's a lot, that's more of what they're, it doesn't, it ends with those ones. It doesn't, which is why I take that. So as if more you get fired, away. you better have a family so they can come free <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> while you're worrying about how to support them. No. <laughs> well, but I mean, and, but that's exactly it. It's like, yes, you're going to worry, but like, they're also, it, it's a connection and like, it's to show you're not alone. And in like i think that's more of what the takeaway was for me like he spends the, his entire world is loneliness like he's like innately lonely he's always flying he's always somewhere else he's always he's never meeting like some of the people he meets are the same but he doesn't know anyone and then by the end of this he's you know he's very much like he knows and he knows who natalie is he knows you know like his family was there like he knows that he has at least some form of emotional connection with people like he may not have much of one because he's kind of like burnt it down a little bit but i think it's realizing that like that emotional connection is important um i, I i'm an optimist i like to go for the, <laughs> the, the nicer endings <laughs> i mean i think in a way i think what works for me about this ending is like the audience almost goes on a different emotional journey than Ryan does, mm -hmm. you know? Like, the audience, I think, is left... I think most people are left seeing the faults with Ryan's lifestyle or how it wouldn't actually be ideal or how you wouldn't actually want to live that way and thinking, like, he should reconnect with his sister. He should look for love, like, if that's what he wants, right? And even if Ryan is saying at the end, like, that life isn't for me while you all like he's like kind of speaking to the audience while you're all uh you know playing with your dogs and your children and living your lives i'll be above you you know and you'll see my wingtip or whatever that line is like even if ryan is kind of going on that like uh the, i'll say the sadder <laughs> um of the two possibilities that he's just returning to his normal life i think you as the audience are kind of left thinking like okay maybe that works for you ryan but like that's not for us. And I think that's where the talking heads part kind of like right. solidifies that where it's like most people need that emotional human connection. They need family. They need friends. They need a support network. And I just find that to be really interesting about how this film ends. You know, Ryan might be a lone wolf all his life, but you as the audience are left with like something else. Yeah, it has a hopeful feeling that it just almost doesn't fit with what's actually happening. But you explained it really well why it does that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, I, is this I, movie I a comedy or is it really depressing? I never can. <laughs> <laughs> it's either the it's, most depressing comedy ever or. Like <laughs> or it's a really funny drama. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, even though I'm more inclined to think Ryan ends where he began like i still feel good by the end of the film like i still like i'm not left feeling like sad about it if that makes sense yeah no it absolutely does because and i think you explained it beautifully and it honestly it, it, it like it really gave me a new perspective to look at it because i was looking at it from just like oh he he would hit the you know movie the beginning of the movie ryan would not have written that letter of recommendation and like he wouldn't have given his, like i don't i don't think he would have given his sister smiles and like it's a, and maybe it's because i like and like i said i didn't read the whole book but from what i did read of it like his miles he didn't want to give them to anyone mm. like in the book like he like like he his sister asked him to dedicate some of the miles to like 
his sister's best friend so she could get there because her like flight or something canceled or whatever and he's like no those are my miles like (laughs) and he basically like he sees his miles as like an extension of like his own brain Mm -hmm. like it's really weird he sees it as like an extension of his worth or like it, it was like i said it was strange i really need to i'm gonna reread it and like re, like <laughs> read it um but it, it was so like in this one like him giving like maybe i have that more in mind but like him giving away the miles like it means more to him like than it wouldn't but like not but you also have to, like i'm also thinking of it like he did also hit his status so he wasn't gonna give away a mile million miles before it i'm sure that's back, he would have been all like have a great time guys <laughs> <laughs> enjoy your time and wherever you're going <laughs> looking at your pictures in front of you know plane terminals yeah <laughs> um how would you guys feel if someone called you a parenthesis <laughs> yeah pretty pretty cutting pretty pretty tough i loved it though i love it it's a good line maybe that's the line oh maybe maybe that is the line yeah that might be it (laughs) well well, but that's the thing is like it's not just he's a parenthesis on her life he's a parenthesis on like everyone's lives yeah and i think Mm -hmm. that was like that's what i was like oh ouch like (laughs) like you have like very little emotional connections this is what everyone kind of basically thinks of you like you're not you're a (laughs) non-entity yeah yeah i mean he helped his sister with the wedding at the end but like as far as like his relationship with them like the the possibility of him giving miles away which i will not concede that he officially does i oh it's open ended <laughs> but the possibility of him giving miles away is like i guess like the best indication of like where he might be with them but we still don't have any like i don't know resolution of him changing his ways or visiting more often it's still kind of like he might just disappear again yeah which does sound Agreed. freeing i mean marie Con- marie kondo probably loved this movie <laughs> um. <laughs> it doesn't spark joy <laughs> yeah maybe not she'd be all like this is this profession does not spark joy Please." <laughs> he doesn't have any stuff he has to worry about this <laughs> is wonderful <laughs> he's so free um i just wanted to touch on a few random little final thoughts and you all can do the same before we kind of give our opinion and rating of the film i quite enjoyed the moment when he's talking to Anna Kendrick and she's like, why would they want a picture here? And he's, <laughs> you know, going on about how great the St. Louis airport is. And he's like, have you ever wondered why they call it the spirit of St. Louis? And she's just like, no. no. And walks away. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, a great line. Yes. And, uh, when she's trying to like sell him on the idea of marriage and everything. And he's like, you know, what about stability? And he's like, how many stable marriages do you know? And then she just <laughs> continues on. Moves on. What else did I have? Oh, the <laughs> right now you see settling as some sort of a failure. It It is by definition. <laughs> Which, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> But, oh, so, one thing I wanted to mention. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yours. 
Um, uh, no, you can say what you were wanting to mention as I'm looking to see if there was anything else I wanted to just... Oh, I was just going to say, I one of the things I also loved about this is the fact that Natalie completely ruins <laughs> Ryan's and Alex's relationship because he doesn't start thinking about them as anything but casual until after she's like... Oh, that's true. Like, So it's basically, <laughs> she is the reason that they do not work out. <laughs> Valid point. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to shout out again that Natalie wanted to call their termination engineers terminators, but was not <laughs> able to because it bumped with legal. Um, and I have a huge question for all of you. I love his two jobs. How did he get into like motivational speaking? I'm dying to know. That's a good question. Maybe he just tried out different material with people he was firing and slowly mm. accumulated a whole a whole speech. Right, and he's so oh, lonely. He's what so a mo- lonely. He what was a just monster like, oh, trying out your material lonely. on the people you're firing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How did you feel about that line? Uh, one out of ten. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna give you a little quiz. Um, what did you think on this one? Like, a, was there anything I could have worded differently? Yeah. Like, is there <laughs> follow up survey? Yes. So uh, what about y'all? Um, Anna and Adina, you are the guests, so you can go first in whichever order you like or together. Um, what are your final thoughts on this film? And then Sean can do his and then we can give out our personal scores on this uh, gem of a movie. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoy watching it. I would say um, maybe Ian likes it a little bit more than I do. Um, I do like it, but uh, for me, it is a little, like, there's hope in it, but it is kind of, like, a little bit depressing. So I always, um, I don't know, I think it's enjoyable. It's a fun movie, a lot of, a lot of great performances. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's something, like, a little bit lacking in it for me. Hmm. And I don't know if I, I want George Clooney to be maybe going in a more concrete direction, whether that's back to his his original self or, or changing. Um, but I do love it. I do I do like watching it and I think it, it does a lot of good things. I, I just can't like quite put my finger on it. Yeah. See I, I think the ending is perfect. It might be one of my favorite movie endings. But like I like I said, I'm a sucker for kind of ambiguous endings. Adina and I often disagree on <laughs> movies that end that way. Uh, I, I How love do you them. feel about the Sopranos ending? <laughs> Ian for Adina against. I, I, I think it's amazing. I haven't even, I haven't even watched it and I like it. And <laughs> people who wanted something specific, uh, you know, just don't get it. Uh, no, I, I really like this movie. I like how it feels specific to a certain time. I think Ryan's character is interesting. The dynamics are good. I like its balance of drama and comedy. Um, I mean, killer soundtrack. I like the way it's filmed. It's kind of one of those movies, I wouldn't say it's like a top 10 for me or anything, but I also can't really say there's anything I think could be improved. Like, I don't necessarily Mm. think that like, I would change any of the plot points or performances or anything that happens. Like I kind of think for what it is, I think it does what it wants to almost perfectly. So I, I'm a big fan of this. Same. Sean, what about you? Oh, I absolutely agree. I think this is a, I, I sorry, I'm trying to put how I want to say it in the thoughts. Um, Yeah. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, Like I said, I think this is my favorite George Clooney role. 
Um, sorry if I'm dust till dawn. Because um, <laughs> I also love that one. But I just, I don't know. I feel like there's... It's it's a movie that doesn't beat you over the head with any of its convictions. And any of its convictions can be seen from any... Like, they're not even convictions. They're more of just, like, hypotheses? I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> they're, 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 like, minor parables, I guess. I don't know. Observations. Hard... <laughs> Observations, yeah. So, like, it doesn't... It never frowns on any sort of way of living yes it kind of like for me at least it implied that the emotional connection is more important but like it never shoots anyone down it doesn't shoot anyone down for not having that and i think that's important too um so yeah i really did enjoy this movie i think it's really well done um i think both anna kendrick and vera farmiga like were so good and i'm sad they split it because i think um i think Anna Kendrick could have probably been nominated for Best Actress. They Maybe, were both nominated. Like, well, I mean, they but they were both for Best. But the problem is, is that's when you split the vote, and then neither yeah. of them get it. Then yeah. that happens way more. If it was often just one of them, it should have been Anna Kendrick. I, I I don't know, but like Vera Farmiga, I think it plays such a compelling character that like I could see her I getting it too. <laughs> <laughs> Anna Kendrick. I know, I know. We love Anna Kendrick. I love her too. But like I and I think she's so good in this and I I just I think I think everyone in it is at the top of their game is just really good. Yeah. Anna Kendrick is always magical. Please be my best friend. I love you so much. Um <laughs> He does talk about that quite a bit. Seriously, like I want to be such good friends with her and Jennifer Lawrence. Um I think this movie is amazing. It again, it's probably not in my top ten, but easily top twenty, I'm sure. Um, I just really like it. I love the performances. I like the vibe it has. I really, really, really love the performances. I mean, I'm a sucker for a good performance, which is one of the reasons I was very passionate about this Oscars year, um, <laughs> back in two thousand nine. Uh, this is a five-star film for me. I cannot recommend it enough. I know it's not for everyone. It's a very different type of movie. I mean, is it a drama? Is it a comedy? Is it boring? Is it super entertaining? It's really up to taste. Your mileage, it may vary. Um, but I quite love it. If you <laughs> think it might be interesting at all, check it out. Um, five stars for me, 100%. What about you, Sean? uh for me i it is not quite a five star but i am going to give it a four and a half so it is very respectful very good i um like i said i think that the performances are all really good um and i just i i do like the ambiguous nature of everything and how none of it like you know like you can take your own spin off of things um like it's just it didn't reach five quite for me. <laughs> I'll go five. I thought it was five, but <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. Like, surprisingly, <laughs> we are allowed to be different. That's <laughs> by half a star. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I would go with four stars. Uh, oh, a whole star below because I can appreciate it being a really well-made film with really great performances, and I did enjoy watching it. But there's something about it that doesn't quite personally resonate with me as strongly 
as a movie that I would consider to be five stars. So I can, I'm saying it's four stars, but I'm recognizing its excellence. But for me personally, it's yeah, not quite Yeah, always five go stars. with your gut. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. absolutely. I feel like it might be too cynical for your taste, Adina, maybe. Yeah, I think so. That's yeah. fair. I forget, uh, I'm sorry if it was, uh, which one of you mentioned it, but like I, the point about it never like totally tries to, uh, how do I want to put it? like disprove uh ryan's philosophy of life like mm. for as often as like it's brought up that like he's flawed or like his point of view is flawed he often comes back with like an equally like you mentioned the um stability of marriage point and you know how <laughs> anna kendrick can't really counter it like he's frequently bringing up as many points to his own benefit as the film puts against him and i really appreciate that about it how it the movie doesn't really take a stance it's more just like here's kind of almost like an objective look at his life and people around him and it's kind of up to you at the end so i think that's something else i really like about it very human very real without judgment which is what i love when looking at complicated characters um personally so uh, this was made for $25 million and made $167 million, fairly respectable for a movie like this, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could remember if I saw this in theaters. I want to say no, um, or I would have definitely been in that box office, Alec contributing to it <laughs> way later, especially something like didn't make very much money. It's like, I was there. I supported it. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer's I was body. There, Gandalf. Yes. Team, <laughs> you I was Team Jennifer's body from day one. Um, <laughs> Same. It got reevaluated, and I'm just like, you guys should have seen its brilliance from the beginning. Um, how familiar are y'all with Letterboxd? Oh yeah, uh, I I keep trying to make it like actually make an account. I mean, I have an account, but I just don't contribute to it as much. So, uh, you know, like once you make it a habit, like I, d- yeah. Once the credits, I like don't let myself do anything until like I, at least logged it. If I don't review it or anything, but like at least put that I watched it. Yeah, I can always yeah. come back to thing later. But that's, it's just become a habit now. Like the credits start, and I'm like, all right, <laughs> I watched it. <laughs> it's going on Letterboxd. Yeah. But I um, need to do that. They you know have scores out of five and i do a thing at the end of every episode um where i make sean and a guest if they choose to guess what this film's average letterbox score is um sean what do you think up in the air's average letterbox score is it's a one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, I mean, I really feel like this is going to be high up there, but I do feel like it is very like reminiscent of a certain period of time. Um, I'm going to go with a th- I'm between like 3.4 and 3.5. Maybe 3.6. I don't know. I'll split the difference. Let's do um, 3.5. Okay. Do either of you care to put in a guess? I'm not familiar with like what the average kind of like, like I don't look at the averages for Letterboxd. If this was like a Rotten Tomatoes score rating, I'd be like way more like, I know. So Letterboxd tends to be kind of pretentious film bros. (laughs) Sure. Um, 
I, I, better I feel like... rating things. So it can be wonky. Like, uh, and a good rule of thumb, most of the movies you would think of being like, oh, that's a perfect film, will have a 3.9 on Letterboxd. <laughs> okay, so like getting above. people. Yeah, for instance, we just did Black Swan, and I think it is the highest we've ever had, and it was like 4.1 or 4.2. Oh, okay. Like Whip, Whiplash might have like a four or something like it is wow, astronomical. Okay. Like, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'll say like a three point. I'll say three point four. Yeah, um, I think I think a lot of people probably have opinions about this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I can see that. I can see people thinking like, like not getting it, and then thinking that that makes it like a two star movie for some reason. Yeah. So maybe I'll say a three, a three point oh. So uh, Sean actually got it right on the head. It was a three point five. <laughs> yeah, I've only done this like once. <laughs> three point five on Letterboxd. See, I was I was so close to taking the three four, so I was right behind Ian. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I don't think this is going to be higher than a three point five. I'm like, I'm just going to go higher for this one. So I thought you were going to be right, to be honest, because like I'm usually like a couple off, like only because I've played this so many times. <laughs> Although sometimes, like we did one for I know what you did last summer, and I know what you did last summer is a two point. What was it? No, it wasn't. It, I thought, thought it was, was a two point. I thought it, it was, was like a two point seven. It was like it was a two point like nine. <laughs> Yeah, two point nine, but it was still lower than criminally low. Yeah. I'm happy I got as close as I did. Yeah, you know, that, for... it was impressive. Very good job. Yes, I was like, "You price is right at me," but we're okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on this game, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um. So, uh, Ian, Adina, tell us about your podcast and where people can find you and what's going on. Yeah, uh, so, you know, our, our podcast is covered credits. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we have a website, coveredacredits.com. Uh, we talk about books and their movie adaptations. We come out bi-weekly. We've been doing it for, like, six years now, so we have, like, over 150 episodes at this point. And, uh, yeah, you should totally uh, check us out. If there's, like, a franchise you like, like Twilight or Harry Potter, we've done all those also done some really random uh lesser known adaptations but uh yeah no we're we're still going strong yeah and um all our patrons actually are able to request episodes from us so um a lot of people have requested episodes clayton has requested an episode and and we we've done it um so we love having our little patreon community over on patreon too so definitely check us out and um if you have ideas for the podcast you can always reach out to us yeah and uh thank you so much for having us on your podcast this has been great oh this is so exciting i love listening to your podcast and so getting to talk to you is just wonderful (laughs) we do have input about a story um He's going to suggest that you read The Ruins for the 57th time. No, I'm not I'm not going to try anymore. I You're going to have to talk to Adina, Adina about that. Adina can't, ha- Adina can't handle it. It's I've accepted it. Um, I was like, but I still will keep pushing for Cruel Intentions. Um, and Lily That would be a good room. one. That would yeah. be a really um, good because one. Because that is a book I will never, ever read. Um, <laughs> but I really want to... <laughs> <laughs> no, what those well, you don't want to read like... Lily as on Saint-Jerus? <laughs> no, no. And I would you love a chance. I would love a chance to talk about Sarah Michelle Geller. So yes. <laughs> oh yes, always patron saint. Uh. Patron saint <laughs> of uh, me. Uh, yeah. Yes. 
I won't but lie, really, though. He, they he are is... a fantastic podcast. I listen to them all the time, even when I don't have time to. Like, there has been times that I should have <laughs> been editing my episode, and, like, it might be out late, and it's probably because I was listening to Cover to Credits. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, highly recommend their Borrowers slash Secret World of Arietti episode or <laughs> The Time Traveler's Wife episode. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. I like that one a lot. Classic one. <laughs> I really need to. Did you do the um, TV adaptation for Patreon? No, no. Uh, I was curious. It didn't seem like many people watched it and it actually got canceled. So yeah, one I of those instances it. where we just kind of put her. <laughs> put our ear to the ground to see what the general because shows are so time yeah. consuming to to do it's like 10 hour long episodes so we're pretty picky about what shows we cover yeah i just didn't know if that was a thing because i know uh that was something you were both very passionate about was time travelers wife <laughs> very instrumental uh story for you guys <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah uh so i was just curious about that i quite liked the series and was sad that it got canceled um no more excuses to see uh, theo james booty until you know the white lotus come out <laughs> rectify that situation <laughs> um but yes and send them ideas it's great i do it all the time I'm just constantly like ian this was based on a book just in case you yeah. didn't know <laughs> and, and a lot of times we don't like we're constantly surprised by what what was a book so uh, yeah. yeah 3 a.m i'm like by the way did you know rambo first blood was based on a book <laughs> <laughs> i actually did but <laughs> I, I i didn't either yeah i didn't know that one i've been uh, making my way through the 80s action classics just because that's a big uh, hole in my film history and um it's generally very late at night and i turned on rambo and i saw based on the novel and i was just like what (laughs) um yeah always surprising uh if you want to find us on the socials we are on twitter together for the podcast at triple m pod with three m's i am at just happy to see you number two letter c letter u and sean you're at i am murph the smurf m-u-r-p-h-t-h-e-s-m-u-r-p-h on Letterboxd, you can find us at those exact same handles. Just happy to see you and Murph the Smurf. On Instagram, we are Triple M Pod with three M's. We have a Facebook page, Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies, and a Facebook group, Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies and You. And if you want to email us about anything, our email is Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies Pod at gmail.com. Super easy to remember. Yeah. And uh, thanks for Sean, the longest email ever. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, what are we watching next week? Oh, so next week we'll be back with uh, some more Terminators, uh, but not Anna Kendrick's Termination Engineers, just um, no. the regular robot kind. Uh, yes. We are going to be watching the original The Terminator, which is one yes. of my favorite films of all time we'll be back um <laughs> anyway <laughs> please don't forget that was to give not us the best of, that was not i was not doing it arnold i was just oh you uh, should have see no, my best no, my best one and do i'll do it again arnold. on next week is is why are you picking up that truck arnold because it's a pickup truck <laughs> <laughs> um please don't forget to give us a five star rate maybe even a review if you have time it helps so much in the algorithms and makes us feel really good uh don't forget to be kind to people out there 
hard times cost nothing and it might make you feel good too and cover to credits Anna and Adina <laughs> thank you so much again for coming such a blast thank you, thank yes, you for having I've, us yes thank you and we'd love to have you again so we're gonna look up if you guys have any episodes we're we're finalizing our next year so yeah. okay. if you guys are interested we'll send it out to you and see what you want to do <laughs> okay that sounds for good sure. alright until next time we'll be back <laughs> bye you got it before I could. Dang it. <laughs> you could do it too. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.